0: Uh, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Mm, best day of my Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, another episode of the Late Night Ramble, a special edition of the Late Night Ramble. We've got our fans phone in version number two. Back again, I've got nine fans with me tonight to talk about all things Villa, obviously. Uh, we're doing a mid-season review as 19 games have just up uh, after beating Southampton yesterday. We'll also be covering the Southampton match as well, obviously, uh, talking about that hard-fought win um, uh, and, and all the various action points. But really today, um, we're going to be talking about the 19 games that have happened so far, the season so far, and what our thoughts are halfway through the season, really. Uh, we've What we've done is we've all got a, a topic each to talk about. Uh, ranges from sort of the summer signings of 2019, improving all the way to uh, you know Watkins, the summer signings of this year, the management team, um, some of the best performances of this season, etc. So it should be a really interesting one. Be really good to get a wide range of views from different fans. From uh, I would say all, I would say all across the globe, but uh, our two fans who are going to be joining us from abroad have have cancelled last minute. So I think everyone's from England. So anyway, that doesn't matter. But our first fan. Uh, a debut on on the Villa Talks podcast. She's been on a few other podcasts uh, recently, so she's a bit of a expert when it comes to podcasts. Uh, we've got Danny from the Bedford Lions. Danny, how are you?
1: Hi, Omar. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely great to have you on. And also, the, is it the uh, Running Villains as well? Is that the uh, the group that you have set up?
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got so many Twitter accounts on my phone. I have to be careful which one I'm tweeting from now. But yeah, uh, Running Villains is doing quite well at the moment uh, with it in January.
2: Good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can, I can imagine. You've got loads of Villa fans involved, haven't you, with, uh, with that? I can see every, every second, third tweet seems to be about Villa fans running, which uh, is not something you normally see.
1: Oh, it's good. And I think because we've been backed by um, the foundation as well, um, we're just going from strength to strength. Um, so I, I think we're just waiting until we get out of this lockdown and we can do organised runs and do some more yeah, fundraising yeah. for the foundation, which would be great.
0: That'd be amazing. Yeah, that's really good. And uh, good to get everyone active as well during this difficult time as well. I think it's helping a lot of people mentally. So you know, fair place here you and, and well done with everything that you've done there. But uh, today, your topic obviously is the, and what we've picked for you is the, the, summer, uh, sorry, the summer signings of 2019 and how they've improved this season. Um, a lot of talk, obviously, had been about those signings last year, uh, Suso leaving um, and sort of uh, falling on his sword, if you like, uh, based on last year's performances. Uh, but the, the resurgence of a lot of those players, the improvement of a lot of those players this season towards the end of last season has been has been a massive part of uh, why Villa have done so well this season, isn't it?
1: hundred percent. hundred percent. So um, I know... We don't need to teach everyone to suck eggs, but um, when we got promoted um, in the 1920 season, we, we let 12 players go, so we had to bring in 12 players, and we know a lot of our uh, rival fan bases like to <laughs> complain about how much money we spent, but we had to do it. And um, actually, with the amount we spent, to get 12 players out of that, we did quite well. Um, and I've really enjoyed prepping for this one. because. Uh, we've had a really emotional time since we've come off. We uh, we just about avoided relegation, didn't we? And now we're having a fantastic season. So um, I feel like we're all quite connected to our 12 new signings, um, with varying degrees. So yeah, it's all good.
0: I mean, who's who's who's, who's impressed you? Oh. I suppose. What's the been? Which player have you seen the most improvement in? Do you think over that time frame? Um, and, and you know, when I, when I say that, I mean I'm thinking about maybe a player who you thought actually you know wasn't a good signing, probably was out the door in the summer, or wasn't good enough, and then suddenly you know they've come back. Who who would you pick out, uh, out of our squad uh, who fits that mould? Out of the signs that we got in 2019, summer
1: 2019, yeah. without a doubt, Matt Target. Um, so obviously we brought Matt Target in. From Southampton, he was Southampton's second choice left back. Um, and, you know, he had a couple of games um, last season. Um, but he probably um, he still needed to develop, didn't he? We could see that Matt Target was really good um, and exciting on the left, attacking. He gave us a lot more in attack than Neil Taylor does. Um, and I'm a big fan of Neil Taylor, so I don't want any of that slander going on here. Um, But (laughs) Matt Target had to do a little bit more work defensively. Obviously, we had the break, didn't we? And um, we managed to stay up in in the last four games um, with Project Restart. Matt Target has come on leaps and bounds. And I don't want to sound over the top or emotional about this, but I think he's perhaps one of the best left-backs in the country right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, hard to argue against that, isn't it, really? I mean, I think only maybe Luke Shaw comes close who's been consistent this season. Um, I mean, and and yesterday, let's let's talk about the Southampton game. We've talked about Matt Target coming from Southampton. Um, he Matt Target, again, I can't remember him having a bad game this season, to be honest. I can't remember many bad mistakes. Again, yesterday he was consistent. He didn't put a foot wrong on everything, didn't he?
1: He was absolutely superb. I just love the way that he can always cover uh, Jack Grealish when they're running down the left. He can get those crosses in. In the final third, it's again. I don't want to um, slam the, Neil Taylor, but we all joke that he gets a bit of a nosebleed past the halfway line. But you know, Matt has yeah. got that that <laughs> extra yeah. little bit about him, um, and it's that chemistry that he also has. Um, so he's, he's just he's just fantastic. It's a joy to watch. Um, the amount of clearances and tackles, and he just goes in full power. He's so exciting to watch, and He's, he's, he's not even hit his peak he's only 23 so I also think perhaps even in an England call-up is definitely begging but the only thing that makes me nervous is that our back four are all English and if they all get an England call-up I'd hate for him, any room to get injured and not be able to perform at pub level level but
0: yeah, yeah, but I'm sure. I mean, per, 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 their personal ambitions is, you know, they'd, they'd want to get into the England squad, no doubt. Uh, but as Villa fans, we're always nervous. Any player goes to England, we're always worried that they're going to get injured or they're going to get talked into a move away. That's just, it's just the way it's been for us for so long. I mean, talking of some other of players, in summer 2019. So talking about Southampton game yesterday, two players that that played in that win yesterday, again from signed from in summer 2019, uh, Douglas Luiz, Ezri Konza, two other names. Um, who again have improved massively. Uh, you think of Esri Konza, he was in and out of the side first half of last season. Very much uh, a young player coming in, bedding into the Premier League. Uh, many people many people actually thought maybe he'll go out on loan uh, at some point because you know maybe he wasn't ready. Uh, and then suddenly post-lockdown, he's come back, played right back for a bit and then c- come into centre-back where House got injured. He's been fantastic this season. Douglas Luiz as well, massive Im- improvement I mean, how important do you think those two players are now to to our team and, and us going forward now in terms of you know our journey as a Premier League club and what, what we can achieve?
1: Ah, oh, massively important. So um, of those twelve signings that we took um, are brought in in twenty nineteen. Um, as a quick summary, we've got two that spent um, the last year injured. So That would be Wesley and Heaton, um, so we won't count them. We've only terminated one. That was Hotter by mutual agreement which is fine then we've got four which are consistently in our starting 11 right now that is Douglas Louise Tyrone Mings Matt Target and Esri Konza and as for the remaining um, players they are on regular rotation in the first team and they're always on the bench so we've got Trezeguet Nakamba El Ghazi Courtney Horse um, and with exception then we've we've got Bjorn Engels as well who's um, spent a lot of time injured this season so, Douglas Louise, uh, we always get these rumours going around that City have got this buyback clause. Is he going to go at the end of the season? He's been fantastic for us. I just get the impression we've got a player here who's really sold at Villa and he loves it at Villa. Um, He's as, as a, a, a defensive midfielder, he, he just he does the dirty work. He does all the stuff that doesn't necessarily lead to an assist or whatnot he does he does the hard work that other people don't see um, I think one of one of the um, names that I've seen given to that kind of players is the water carrier so he's doing all the hard work for everyone else perhaps other people don't see it but he, he's, he's just he's just so important to the squad um, and of course you know he's a Brazilian international now and I think we all pinched ourselves I think we when Douglas Louise yeah. came into the squad we were like there's a Brazilian international Aston Villa somebody pinch so yeah he's he's so important um Ed Chikonsa is just he's just been outstanding this side of the season so um project restart he was you know a bit of right back a bit centre back but the boys he's centre back he and I wouldn't want to mess with that partnership between him and means so I know um Last season we had mingles, didn't we? We had mingles and engles together, um, and, and since we've needed cover for engles, Con is more than capable of, of uh, filling in there. He is just so assured, and um, he's got good vision. He can see his uh, his sonal marking is always bang on. Um, puts his body on the line. Um, I'm I'm, I'm just solidly happy with the back four right now. And I know I can't really talk about Emmy Martinez because he came in this season, but wow, we 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 uh, the, our defence really needed sorting out um, after project restart, and it, and it and we've done it. It's so exciting to to watch.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, and you know, we'll we'll come on to defence in a second uh, with our second guest, and and thanks for that. You're going to help me segue nicely into the next topic, <laughs> uh, so you've helped me out there. Uh, but no, I mean, re- but you know, I I think it shows you the the importance of patience with a lot of these players. You, know, you talked about the number of uh, the turnover, which is well-documented, well the turnover we had uh, in players, and how it was always going to be quite difficult. Um, and, and we've seen how those players have improved with a bit of time. Lockdown, obviously, was a massive, massive help for us to give us that time to to better them. I mean, players like Louise being able to learn more English and being able to adapt is, is a massive part of that. Um, Esri Konza, Uh, the likes of Esri Conza as an example being able to to bed into the defense um and and which which brings me on to the next point which is Dean Smith and the management team and and the defensive transformation really that we've had um since lockdown which has been a massive massive basically been the foundation of why we've done so well um and our next guest Carl from VBB football Carl how are you mate
3: yeah good thanks Omar how are you
0: yeah, good, mate. Good. Your your uh, your topic is is, uh, is uh, the defensive transformation, and also obviously Dean Smith and and the team behind the scenes doing doing a wonderful job to to completely change that um, post lockdown and this season as well. We've talked about the back four. Danny's talked about how important the, the back four are now, and and Martinez as well. I mean, what what would you put it down to the defensive transformation? What 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 are sort of the key factors for you?
3: Um, I mean. I'll be honest, I have absolutely no idea.
0: Um, I, oh, cheers, mate, yeah.
3: I mean, I don't think we play wholly different to how we started last season off. We we still play probably, possibly to a lesser extent of the will score more goals than you will. But I think, I I, I mean, clearly something's happened. And during uh, lockdown, uh, Smith said he watched, uh, like he got the team to watch... Napoli, I think it was, um, and 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 Man City, and how they defend. So, I mean, we press more. We press more than we did uh, the beginning of last season. That's that's certainly true. Um, but ha- I mean, I mean, absolutely all credit goes to the coaching staff. But I don't know what they've done. I, I I can't. To to my untrained eye, I I wouldn't be able to tell you what they have done specifically. I mean we've got better players this season. The players that we had there last season have have improved. Um, Matt Target, uh, Danny says, possibly the best left back in the country at the moment. I I mean, I'd take away the word possibly. I think he is. I I, I think it's unquestionable at the moment. I think he's much better than Luke Shaw. Um, um, I'd be amazed if he doesn't get called up um, for... Uh, England um although look how long it took for Jack to be called up so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be that amazed I suppose. Um I mean if we look at the individuals um the one person I, the one position I didn't think we particularly needed to improve on last season was right back. And um I, I thought Gilbert was good enough and I was I was disappointed initially that he, he wasn't getting enough games but Matty Cash is such a massive improvement is 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 so good and at times when I'm watching us I feel slightly sorry for him because he's doing a lot of defensive work and a lot of the time on his own. And I'm not I don't and I don't I'm not um I'm not sort of slagging off the whoever's our attacking right uh player on the right because I think it's how Dean Smith tells tells them to play. If you see Grealish yesterday on the left side he wasn't. There was times where he he was making a point that he wasn't coming back, and um, Target was excellent. But it just gave us it gave us such an outlet with Grealish on on the left. And I think that's what we do. And I think part of our our defensive improvement is that we are more attacking in the sense that we are attacking more on both flanks and we're keeping players back, that people aren't able to just send two players to double up on our full backs.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, um, Danny, last question for you just before just before you go. Um, uh, and, and, you know, Carl raises a really important point there. And something I haven't really thought about, actually, is, is uh, how good we are attacking. I mean, we've talked about last year, 2019. One of the areas that we really struggled with last year was counter-attacking. Um, we we didn't have an outlet. We didn't have much pace going forward. Uh, Wesley did try hard, but he, you know he 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 has a certain skill set that isn't suited to them, maybe that kind of football. Watkins, obviously, we ha- will touch on in, in a second as well, as as massively improved that. But do you, I mean how important do you think it, it is that now we're able to counter attack um, and 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 play that way? And and do you think that's uh, you know the 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 point that Carr raises? Do you think that's an important factor in? And why we've improved so massively and and also why some players are better as well? Do you think it's more suited to their skill set?
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, last season, I think we we all noted that it looked like poor Jack was carrying the uh, expectations, the whole team and the fan base on his shoulders alone. And and we were just crying out to have another sign in really that could um, help to take some of that pressure off him because McGinn was out injured wasn't he for some time and, and that really really hurt not not just the fan base but you can you can see the effect it has on the pick Jack can't do it all by himself and obviously this season we've now got the addition of the likes of Barclay and Traore um El has just turned into Cristiano Ronaldo when he's like on the pitch as well um Cheser Gay likes to have a puppet at, at, at goals as well. So everybody up front and obviously the, the work rate of, of Ollie Watkins is is immense and he's a poacher in the box. So everything this season just brought it all together. Um, and, you know, last season was, was we, we did what we had to do last season. The goal was to stay up, it was survival. We achieved that. It doesn't matter whether it was on the last <laughs> match of the, the year. Um, or however it was done it was messy it was disgusting but we stayed up and we've been able to build on that um and and now i really think we i mean we're eighth today i really think we could qualify for europe and i don't want to get carried away with myself but i think it's going to happen
0: yeah yeah i like it i like it i mean i, I we have to aim we have to aim for it don't we um i think you know the way we're playing. You have to have ambitions. I'm sure that I mean. I I'm sure Dean Smith will say, "Take a game at a time," as the old cliche, which I think you have to do as players and, and as management team. Yeah. But we as fans have to have to start expecting something. Then we have to be ambitious. But thanks, Daniel. It's really been really great to speak to you. Um, definitely on have you on for longer next time. Uh, but it's been really great to speak about. You know, the, the improvement in our signings from, from last year. I think is such an important factor, and, and something I guess uh, underplayed in the media as well. You know, there's a lot of talk around how we didn't sign the right players, etc. Last year, um, but I think they've been a massive factor in why we've improved. You talked about Target uh, being one example, and and the improvement he's made. I think that's that's a key factor. But Danny, thanks again for your time, and we'll definitely have you have you back on. Thanks, I'm
3: Mark
0: Carl, just just touch, just move, just just uh, carrying on from. What Danny was was speaking about there about uh, Matt Target uh, uh, and the other players in, involved. I mean, what uh, Matt Matt Target improvement? So we talked about defensive improvement as a whole, but let's talk about specific players. What What do you put down his improvement? Do you think it's just yards and just you know just minutes on the training pitch and and getting used to playing in a certain back line, or do you think it's just a personal thing, or do you think it's it's Craig Shakespeare coming? What I mean, what do you what do you put it down to? Uh,
3: I mean. Uh, I mean, Dean Smith, I, I think that's his whole, his skill set is improving players and targets at the age where he's, st- he's still improving. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's one part of his game where I, there's a clear improvement and, and I think it's his bravery in, in the tackle. I, it, I was watching him last season and he seemed hesitant and, <clears throat> He's, he, that's just gone from his game now, and he's, he's really strong in the tackle. I mean, his partnership with Grealish on the left is 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 really really good, and it's it, it's really dangerous um, in, uh, from an attacking point of view. And um, you know, Jack Jack does get back when he's told to get back, and you know, he does offer support defensively. But um, I I don't I don't know uh, you know I, I can't say what he's been doing on the. Uh, the the training pitch and, and and what it is that he's been doing that has made made him improve. But just from my untrained eye, he, in my opinion, is our most improved player. Taking Grealish out of the um, out of the argument because he, despite how good he was last year, he has improved. Um, massively as well, um, but I suppose from a base level, I think Target's our most improved player. But I, I and I think, as I said, the the most noticeable thing is defensively, he's he's braver in the tackle, and um, he's he, he somehow seems to have an extra yard of pace, um, and so much so that other than Grealish and possibly Watkins, I, I think that would cause us the biggest uh, amount of damage is if Target was injured. But that's not going to happen, obviously, on our march towards Europe.
0: Talk about Matt Target there. I, I think one thing that um, doesn't get talked about enough um, is the fact that he doesn't get as forward as he did last season. Um, and I think he one of the reasons for that is because Barkley's coming to the side. Uh, Watkins is in the side now. And there's so much more going on in the attacking third with the likes of those three where target doesn't have to overlap. doesn't have to, you know, be up and down as much as he was last season. And I think one thing that he suffered from last season was, um, was you know, he is a, his recovery pace isn't great. Um, and I think he was blown a bit by being up and down quite a bit and having to attack so much and all of our work coming down the left. Now we're able to vary our attack a little bit with Troy on the right as well. And the likes of, you know, obviously Barkley and Watkins being, being involved in the attacking third. I do think he's able to concentrate on defending him much more. Uh, and I think that's been one of the main reasons why 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 he's improved so so much and, and, and talking generally about our defensive work and, and, and sort of the team shape. One thing we've seen since lockdown is is us being more resolute as a team and being able to defend from midfield, whereas um last season we were getting early an early part of last season we were getting overrun in midfield and a lot of players a lot of teams were playing through us a lot. Um do you think that I mean do you think that's uh Dean Smith um changing his philosophy or do you think that's just him learning learning from the, from the first half of last season?
3: I mean, there was definitely, definitely he was, he was a bit naive, um, at the beginning of last season, whereas he, he, he tried to play how he was playing in the championship and Premier League teams have better midfielders. Um, the passing's better, more precise. And there were, you're right there. They were passing through us, um, with ease at times. Um, Douglas Louise, um, has been massive, um, just sitting there, um, in front of the back four. Um, so I, I do think, I do think, um, I do think it's possibly a, a change in the way we're playing, um, particularly through the midfield. Although if you, if you think about, um, when we have McGinnon, um, Barkley playing, um, up until the last few games, McGinn has always still been getting forward, but we appear to—he seems to be holding a bit more now. Him, him, and Louis seem to be holding more, and we, that hasn't really taken much away from our attacking play. Um, but um, yeah, you, you're right about um, Target and uh, to uh, and Matt Cash to an extent in that they are primarily defending now and offering an outlet when needed. Um, although, if you think about um, Target two assists in two games. Is it? I might have missed a game somewhere, but it's still happening. But we're able to pick and choose when that happens, and it's not our primary outlet, um, which it was to a point where it was Grealish um, and um, Target down the left. <clears throat> still, still a very powerful weapon, but it's not all we're relying on. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I, I agree. Um, it's, I think it's an it's an important point there, and um, yeah, being able to. Have lots of different good players who are able to contribute to the team, both defensively and, and offensively, is, is a massive factor. Obviously, we're able to get, we're, we're able to sign four or five quality players in the, in the last summer window um, compared to what we did last, the summer before, which was trying to get numbers in as, as much as possible. Uh, our next guest, we've got uh, Phil, our first ever guest on the Late Night Ramble, is back again. He's going to be talking about Ollie Watkins uh, and the importance he's played in our team in the way that we. Shape up now, and, and the style that we play as well um, this season. Phil, thoughts on uh, last night's game?
4: I thought last night we, we it was a, it was a really stressful game to watch. I didn't think we played particularly great. Um, it was a real nail-biting game. Um, every time Southampton had the ball going forward, I just muted the telly because I didn't want to hear the commentary. And sort of close my eyes and then add a look and then Villa'd had the ball back and I could put the 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 commentary back on. <laughs> um weird little habits like that with Villa from all the, from all the stress that it gave me over the years. But uh yeah, it was a stressful game to watch, but it was a great win because we never play well against Southampton. Um so I was chuffed a bit that, that that we managed to get the uh, the, the the three points there.
0: Yeah, no, no, yeah, I agree. And, and and it's something we haven't had to do this season, is it really? We haven't really had to play rubbish and win a game. We've, we've, uh, if anything, we've had out of games. This is probably the first time that I can think of the season where we've, we've done that. Um, you know, we've talked about Southampton game briefly. Uh, sorry, your topic's not Watkins. Sorry, I got it wrong. It was actually the the, the summer signings bar Watkins this season because Watkins got, Watkins got his own little uh, bit because we want to talk about him and, and how we've changed our style of play. But let's talk about our summer signings. You talk about Matty Cash there and the handball, but Let's start, let's start with Matty Cash then as, as one of the players. I mean, how impressed have you been with, with Matty Cash? I know we talked, uh, the last time we spoke on this podcast, it was just before the Fulham game. Um, and we'd just sort of seen off Sheffield United in a bit of a nervy game, not great performance. We weren't really sure what to expect from a Villa team at that point in time. I mean, since then, since we spoke then, what have you made of the likes of the new signings? But, you know, let's look at Matt Cash especially. What have you made of his start to his Villa career?
4: I think he, he, he fits in well with uh, the other defenders. He's he's got he's quite pacey. Um, he's got a good tackle in him. Um, as a, when he's working as a unit with the defence, he always seems to be in line with them. He never gets sort of caught out offside or anything. He's got a a decent footballing IQ in that sense, which I think is important. Um, Going forward, I think he's great. He's got a great engine. Um which you I think in this day and age as a as a fullback you 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 need a great engine because they're almost expected in these in this day and age Fallbacks are almost expected to, to act as wingers as well. Um so his fitness levels have been great. Um I've been really impressed with him. Um I think for sixteen million quid, I think you want you're not going to get much better. Um, I really don't think you are. Um, arguably, if you went into Europe and you, you 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 find a gem somewhere, you could get a bit of bit a bit a bit, uh, bit better value for money. But I've been I've been really impressed with him. I'm happy with him. Um, I think potentially he could um, he could get into the England squad one one day. I think if he carries on progressing,
0: um, yeah, he's just got another another fifty five right backs ahead of him though. That's that,
4: that's that's the problem. We've got so many. We, we seem to have just England just seem to have just start developing players left, right, and centre in every single position. So it's going to be hard for him to make a breakthrough. But you know if 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 he carries on the way he, he's going and he still has managed to get into Europe, then um you know there's every chance he could he could get an opportunity to play for England. apologies if the bad noise in the background' I've got a noisy little four year old that's, that's
0: all right mate that's all right, mate you know I've got two kids of my own and they're uh, they've just about gone to bed so uh... Very much used to that. I'm sure most most listeners who've listened to our podcast have heard the screams of my son. Um, and know, and, yeah. so it's always fine. It's fine. He's just playing. Nothing untoward going on. He's fine. Uh, but I'm sure most people are used to it by now, so that's fine. But I mean, Matty Cash has been fantastic value for money. as of all the summer signings. Really, yeah. uh, we'll come on to Ollie Watkins in a second. We've got we've got Nick Litchfield joining us to talk about Watkins in a second. But let's talk to some of the other other players um, that that have that I've impressed you. Who else? I mean, of all the summer signings, apart from Matty Cash. Who else has stood out for you um, as being you know, probably one of our more, more important players?
4: Um, obviously, Emiliano Martinez. I think he's came in. He's um, he's came in. He's he's very he's really commanding. He seems to be like a father figure, not just to the defense but to the to the whole team. He's he's, he's grasp the language is great. Um, we forget that he's been here for 10 years because nobody's nobody's ever seen him, has he? He's hardly ever played a game. Um, I think he's played his most games now for Villa than he has anyone else in his career. And I think he's 29 years of age, which I think is, you know, it's it's, it's crazy, really. Um, he, he's been a, a crucial signing for us. Some of the saves he made last night were great. Some of the saves he's made in in other games have been phenomenal, um, but just his presence as well has been has been massive for us. I think he's a natural leader. Um, so at the back we've got Tyremins, who is just a natural leader. You can hear him screaming and shouting all the time. You've got Emmy Martinez, who, who's similar. So it gives the other defenders sort of um, a bit of a comfort blanket because you've got the, them, you know, them behind them sort of making sure they're not in the wrong place at the wrong time. They're in position, doing everything they should be doing. Um, and, you know, when you look back, when when we had Noyland in goal, <laughs> yeah. um, and and now we've got Martinez. I mean, the difference is just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I think I think he he may be our best signing of the summer, arguably um, our best signing of the summer. But 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 I think like, uh, talk sports said that Villa had the best. Um, Best transfer window of any Premier League club in the summer. Talk sports said that themselves, and I can't argue with them to be honest, because I think all the players we've bought have had a positive effect on the team. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah massively.
0: I mean, I, 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 it's so hard to argue against it, considering you know we like you know we just survived in the last day, and and now what we're doing this season, and, and and you could argue you could argue that we should even be higher up the table, really, uh, if you look at the games. Yeah. And you know, yes, you know, last night we've talked about. You know, it was, uh, wasn't was the best performance we managed to win somehow. And Martinez was a massive part of that. Um, but in the day, you know, he's part of the team. Yeah. You signed him for that, for that reason. So, you know, yeah, you know, that, the def- if, if your yeah. defender and, and the goalkeeper plays well, that's still playing good football in some sense. So it, it is important, but, you know, it's hard to argue against that. And I think another player uh, we, we want to talk about is Ollie Watkins as well and how he's transformed the team. Our next guest, Nick Litchfield long time listener of the show my good mate from uni uh, my fellow season ticket holder uh, who have known for too many years to count really i've i've allowed him on the show he'd been wanting to come on the show every week but i I've, I've i've said no mate no no way i don't want to hear your your views on here i hear enough on whatsapp so uh, but is is we are finally relented i've got you on nick how you doing mate good to have you on
5: yeah very well mate how you doing
0: good mate yeah i'm good um ollie watkins you put your hand up straight away when I mentioned that was one of the topics. Um, I mean, firstly, let's talk about him as a player and then talk then talk about him and the impact he's made on the team and the way that we play. What, I mean, it was always a player that we were linked with for a while, uh, this summer especially. Um, played with Dean Smith before, obviously at Brentford. Had one really good season in the Championship playing as a, as a, as a front man. What did you make of the signing when, when it first happened? Um, and were you surprised at the fee that we paid for him?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the initial rumours were, you know, or the figure being banded around was around 20 million. And eventually, you know, when we signed him for, you know, 27 plus add-ons, I think, you know, a few eyebrows were raised, um, a player coming in from the championship. And, you know, it wasn't so much of a gamble. I mean, I think, you know, Smith knew he'd worked with him before. He knew what he was getting. Um, but I think you could tell from that very first game against Sheffield United what we got. You know, within 20 minutes, a ball went over the top. You know, Watkins was onto it and, you know, Egan was sent off within 20 minutes. And that, you know, that changed the game. It made it a little bit easier for us. And straight away, you knew that we had a player on our hands there. And I think, you know, for the first five games, I think, you know, he was getting in behind the behind he He will run all day. He's got a great engine. Um, you know we, you know, like we did with Gabby, we could pump pump the balls into the corner, and you know Watkins would be after it. And he doesn't look a big guy, but you know he's certainly a handful of defenders. He's he's a lot more, you know, he's got a lot more strength than I think people realise. Um, you know, I, and I think really he's, he's a great all-rounder. He's good with both feet. He's good in the air. He can hold up the ball. Um, you know when we need him to. So I, th- I think he's he's got all the attributes to be a you know a top striker for us for the next sort of, you know, five to 10 years.
0: You know, we saw that yesterday as well against Southampton. Um, You know, we were under the cost a little bit uh, for most of the game, uh, but he did provide that outlet, something we didn't have last season. Um, and I mean, how, how, in terms of the way that we play now, um, do you think it's changed the mentality of the team that we're willing to defend more? We're willing to, we're willing to, put our bodies on the line because we know we've got Ollie Watkins and he's an outball so the likes of Mings are able to if we are under pressure if we are getting pressed against we don't have to play through play two teams sorry we don't have to play through teams we're able to to play down the channels as well how important do you think that is for the for the team
5: yeah exactly i mean i think it allows us to get up the the pitch quickly and you know he's going to be supported by you know Barkley and um you know Jack um, but I, I don't even think it's it's not just the running in behind. He, he's great at linking up the play. He'll come short. He'll hold the ball up. He'll you know, he, he you know he's obviously got a good understanding with Jack and Ross and, and Triore already. So it, it's his all round game. You know we can play it short into him. We can go over the top, and he's just a nightmare for defenders at the moment. Um, you know he's not just playing in in, in the central role. He'll pull out what left, he'll pull out right. And, you know, it, it creates a lot of havoc for these defences to try and keep, you know, keep on top of him and, and keep hold of him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a key point. I think that's a massive point. And uh, Phil, just before you, just before you go, mate, um, Nick mentioned Barkley there and, and the, the space that Watkins provides to our attacking players, the likes of Grealish, Traore uh, and Barkley. Barkley, Started the, and one of our summer signings as well, coming on loan, something we were against last season for some reason, not not willing to loan players in, but we've changed our policy this year and, he, and he's come in. He started the, the season off with a bang against Liverpool, scored the winner against Leicester, had a great performance against Arsenal. He's, he's been injured obviously now for for a number of games, come back. He's obviously working his way back into into the team. What have you made of of his start to his Villa career? And do you think there's a potential scope there for a permanent move as well?
4: Yeah, I think when he first started I thought he was phenomenal, I thought he was great. The link up play with him and Jack was just you know, it was just a joy to watch. Um, you know, we were taking the, the we were taking the piss with some teams to be honest. Just like Liverpool seven two. You know, we absolutely slaughtered them and it was them to because of them too. Um, and obviously because of Ollie Watkins as well getting his getting his hat-trick. Um, since he's came back, I don't think he's been at his best, but I think that the team has been better just with him, just because of his presence. I think um, he brings the confidence to the team. I think Jack um, feels like he can rely on him more than he can maybe other players. Yeah. Um, and that's not knocking any of the other players at all. I just think he's got an understanding with Jack. He's got a friendship with Jack. And they sort of know how to play with each other. Um, and they do that very well, as we've seen last night. You know, Greedish whips that ball in without even looking. And he put it, you know, straight on his head. He put it on a sixpence for him. He couldn't have put it any better. Um so for me, he's he's still getting back to fitness, I think. But uh, I think it's a tough one. I think in the summer, if, if Chelsea come to us and say, right, do you want him for, say, between 25 and 30 million? I think I'd say, yeah, I'll have him, please. If they're just going to start playing silly beggars and saying they want fifty million, I couldn't pay fifty million for him because for fifty million, I'd want someone who's getting more than probably ten assists a season, and you know, probably getting into double figures for goals as well. Somebody like a a Madison or some somebody like that. I think Madison's worth more than fifty million, but I'm so just for an example.
0: You'd expect better value at, at that price, wouldn't you? Or, or better output, sorry, yeah. at that price. But thanks, Phil. Thanks for your thanks for coming on and talking about the, the signings from 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 this summer gone. It's been a pleasure to talk to you as always, mate. Uh, welcome back anytime. we we'll definitely have you on for a late night ramble again after your last performance, which was m- much heralded <laughs> amongst the, the Villa Talks podcast. Yeah, you
4: get me. You should get me on. Uh, you should get me on after we've we we've, we've, we've been beaten by someone. Might be a bit more. <laughs>
0: No, mate. No, no, that's fine, mate. I, I, I rather, I rather you be on when we've won, mate. That's uh, it's better, better for yeah. all of us. But thanks for your time, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. And, Cheers, mate. Uh, thanks, guys. Right, mate. Take care, Nick. Uh, before we move on to to Morgan Sanson, uh, Phil's been talking about Barkley there, and, and Sanson's come in obviously uh, as another midfield option. Let's quickly finish off on on Ollie Watkins. He's obviously had a fantastic career, a fantastic start to his career at Villa. He's on eight goals uh, and, and a few assists as well. What do you think he can achieve this season? Now he's back to back to his best and scoring goals in these in his remaining nineteen games.
5: I mean, I think he just needs to carry on. His, you know, as he's going at the moment, I think he's an he's easily capable of you know scoring one and two. Uh, you know, a goal in every two games, which I think is a great return. Um, for someone, you know, for the first year in, in the Premier League, I think the one thing I would like to see from the team is just um, is utilized as one of his main sort of um, skills and attributes, which is his movement in the box. He's very good at, you know, be you know getting in um, before that last defender on that six yard box and and you know get it t- take you know taking the, the chance early. You know, like we saw against Burnley, you, you know. Um, I think Target whipped it in, he got in front of me or Tarkovsky and, you know, it was just a slight deft touch and it was in. What we're not doing at the moment is, you know, Trioro on the right will tend to cut in, um, doesn't always look for cash on the overlap. And I think sometimes Jacks, you know, just holds onto the ball a bit too too much sometimes, rather than getting and whipping an early ball across the box. And one of Watkin's best attributes is getting in front of that defender within in you know on that six yard box. If you look, you know, if you watch the goals he got for Brentford, a lot of his but you know goals are within that six yard area. So I think that's one area that we need to look look at really.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think so. Yeah, and uh, you know, you make some really good points there, and. Um... I do think I do think we rely on Watkins a lot, uh, maybe too much sometimes, and I I do worry a little bit about burnout. He's, he's obviously a very robust player, uh, and Dean Smith knows all about that, and he and he mentioned that when he was talking about how they how they recruit players and they look at their injury history and how many games they played, etc. But you know, there's definitely scope for for another another striker there to come in and help him out and maybe provide some sort of competition because there's a lot to ask of him and the amount he runs. Um,
5: you know, well, he's played every 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 minute. This every season, minute, hasn't yeah, it, exactly. Which, which tells which tells you know its own story. Yeah,
0: yeah no, exactly, exactly. And I, th- I suppose look, moving on, that's uh, again another another great segue. Uh, you know, our brilliant guest today, really making it easy for me. Uh, we've got Yaro from VVV Football uh, to talk about Morgan Sanson and 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 the midfield as well, and maybe what else we need in the team. Yaro, how are you doing, mate? Good to have you on.
2: Very well, mate. Very well. Thanks for having us.
0: Good man. Good yeah. Good, good to good to have you on again as always. Uh you've been this I think your third or fourth time on the show now, isn't it?
2: Third, I believe. Third. I I had the uh the the VBB one and the and the Bristol City Cup game which to me is still the highlight of this season, you know. Who can forget who can forget Aston Gate?
0: Part of the part of the furniture now. Um we've talked we talked about Wally Watkins and how important he's to the team but also the need for maybe some competition for him um and, and the workload he's been putting in. Morgan Sanson been brought in um, as competition for our midfield and another option. Let's talk about yesterday's game. Uh, firstly, and then we'll come on to Morgan Sanson. I think yesterday, for me personally, I think it was a a big hint to why we brought Morgan Sanson in. Uh, I thought, especially in the first half, our, our midfield was overrun a lot, um, and they were playing through us quite easily. Um, do you think that's? Do you think that's? Primarily to do the number of games that we've had to play with the same midfield or the same midfield players, uh, and the you know the, the nature of how close the games are to each other. Sort of you know playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, etc. And obviously the, the COVID uh, impact on our team as well. Uh, do you think that's been a massive reason why we've we've moved for Sanson?
2: Yeah, I mean I worry about McGinn and Louise's legs because I think they they they're used um, so much. They play ninety minutes um, week in week out, um, and. Yeah, the competition for their starting place perhaps hasn't been there. Um, I mean, I I like Nakamba. Um, I like where you know when he when he comes in, he he usually does a tidy job. But um, I don't think he's someone who's going to push McGinn or Louise for their for their first team spot. Um, I think Sanson presumably has come in uh, to do exactly that. Um, like. I suspect most people in here, my knowledge of Sanson is, is restricted to his wiki, wiki page and his YouTube compilation. Um, (laughs) But uh, from the YouTube compilation, I'd say there's, there were elements of McGinn in his, in his play. From what I could tell, he looks combative. He looks like he's quite box to box. He looks like he can uh, offer something from an attacking point of view, but is also, you know, um, very athletic and um, not afraid of the tackle. Um, So, yeah, I'd certainly hope that that Sanson is able to is is able to yeah allow Smith to give um, McGinn and Louise a rest from time to time. If nothing else, I mean, it was interesting his comments about the game yesterday about the lack of subs. I think all of us were a little bemused that substitutions weren't made to try and kill Southampton's momentum um, and. Yeah, I I agree that they were getting through the midfield quite easily, and I worry. I, I'm sorry. I wonder if he just didn't feel the personnel he had on the bench were capable of 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 addressing that. Um, maybe he didn't think Nakamba would 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 have any impact. Um, he said in his interview he thought McGinn and Louise were just doing a great job in that holding holding role. But I suspect that if Sanson, if it wasn't his first game in English football if he'd been around for a while and had some minutes under his belt I suspect he would have been coming on in that scenario and the other factor with the midfield yesterday was the fact that Barkley obviously hasn't played a huge amount of football recently um, and even when he does play he's not necessarily that midfielder midfield presence that is going to stop the opposition's momentum Um so yeah, yeah, hopefully Sanson is uh, is is yeah, there's the sort of answer to to that little bit more competition in the middle.
0: Yeah, no, definitely and and um I think, you know, we we do need that option. I think the fact he can play as a 6 or an 8 or even a 10 um is is a big factor. Um he's obviously got a good grasp of English, which is going to be important for him to bed into the team. We saw that was in his interview. A lot of French journalists and French experts um I've, I've mentioned also of experts on, on League 1 have mentioned that um he his style suits the premier league which i think is an important another important factor um so you know he gives us an option as you say uh, which we probably haven't had before um and you know we'll see how how, how involved he is in the, in the in the rest of the season i think he'll have a big part to play definitely um some of the other areas that when i'm coming towards the end of the window now i, I don't know if it's today or tomorrow i can't quite remember but
2: i think it's tomorrow I think I think, that, I think they have till tomorrow.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, d- I don't think it's going to look like we're going to sign. It doesn't look like we're going to sign another player. Um, I think Smith's pretty content. What what areas? Other areas apart from the midfield that we've looked at. What areas? Other areas would you be looking at to improve on? Maybe in the summer, if that's when it comes down to.
2: Well, I feel like a lot of talking about Villa this season. It's a bit of a novelty because um, you know we don't have the problems we normally have, and 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 in this instance, we don't we don't have gaping holes in our starting eleven. Um, we can, we can be fairly content with our starting eleven. So I think the the big area that we need improvement is uh, improvement in is squad depth, um, competition for places, cover for injuries. Um, the big standout one being uh, up front. Um, if if Watkins was to suffer an injury like Wesley did last season, um, we uh, you know, and I'm sure we all retain hope that Wesley will come back and play a role but even if he does there's no way he's uh he's able to deputize for Watkins and enable us to play the way that we play with Watkins if 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 it's Wesley up front instead you know um there's there's no, that counterattack that we that 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 we've all been talking about uh it 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 disappears doesn't it without Watkins um so yeah, you'd want a striker uh with a bit of pace who can deputise for Watkins if necessary. Maybe a, a version of Samata who can who can score. Um would be nice. Um but yeah, you'd you'd want you'd want a cover at striker. I know Danny Earlier is a fan of Neil Taylor, but I would say cover for left back is is probably required. Um I don't think I mean I think both full backs we probably need need a bit of attention there uh as much as I like El Mohamedy he's obviously reaching in and I, I mean is his contract out in the summer El Mohamedy yeah
0: uh yeah I think so yeah. yeah yeah I think it is yeah
2: you wouldn't imagine he'd get a new deal so you're probably looking at another another right back in unless Gilbert makes a comeback but I don't I don't see that happening um and then um and then yeah there's the there's the Ross Barkley question obviously um if I, I think that really depends on these these next couple of months, whether we we go for it in terms of trying to get Barkley permanently. If the Barkley of the very start of the season plays consistently for the next few months, then I think it almost becomes a no-brainer. Depending on the fee, the sort of fee Chelsea would want. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I agree um, with that.
2: Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that, but there's two other things that could happen. He could pick up another injury, and then we're looking at, oh, is this guy too injury prone? Um, to 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 risk paying a big fee for um or he just he just maybe he doesn't discover rediscover the form of the start of the season. I mean, I thought he despite his goal yesterday, I didn't think he had uh, his most effective game. Um I think he he showed t- uh, glimpses of the kind of link up with Grealish uh, that he that, that you know, the Liverpool game most famously he he he, he did really well in um, but also the Arsenal game. Um I thought there were glimpses of that. Um but perhaps not um, perhaps not at his best, so it's a case of will Barkley, you know, really uh, discover some form that makes it a kind of no-brainer for us to sign him in the summer. So there's that question, and then the other the other one I have written down is wingers, and the w- wingers situation is intriguing because um, I certainly went into this season not particularly keen on El Ghazi or Trezeguet being involved too much at all. I thought Trezeguet useful as a kind of sub option El Ghazi I thought was probably on his way out they both impressed me this season when called upon to an extent that I wasn't expecting um I mean Trezeguet okay yeah in front of goal has not been uh superb uh but and El Ghazi on the other end of the scale has been absolutely clinical um but um but both have have generally performed well so it's not an area that we need desperate uh that desperately need to improve upon um but if someone became available um, at the right kind of price, then then maybe maybe another winger in the mix. But it's difficult because if you're signing a winger now, they almost know they're not getting into the first eleven, so it's difficult to attract uh, someone of of quality who's really going to improve the squad.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, and, and Nick, just before you go, mate. Um... Jarras talked about the various different areas uh, that he'd look to improve uh, in terms of positions. One one we talked about was Watkins, the need for another striker. I mean, would you? And Jarras talked about the sort of the type of striker we might need. Do you, would you, in your opinion, would you go for someone very similar to Watkins who can play the same way, or would you go for someone that gives us a different option uh, when things aren't working well?
5: Personally, I would. I would actually go for someone someone similar to Watkins. You know, I think previously I talked about all his attributes, and I think he's got them all. Um, I'm not a big fan of, you know, target players, um, target strikers in the Premier League anymore. You know, I like someone up there with pace and movement, you know, which Watkins has. I think that causes more problems for the def- defenders than being able to lump it up to someone and, you know, hold the ball up. So personally, you know, I think someone similar to Watkins still.
0: Thanks, Nick. Thanks for for your, for your view. It's been really excellent to talk to you as always. Uh, and I'm sure I'll be hearing more on our whatsapp chats um, of
5: course mate as always as
0: always um, <laughs> Cheers, <laughs> no, yeah, been, thanks for having me on mate no mate it's been an absolute pleasure um, I've thought you made some really interesting points about Watkins actually something I didn't expect because because normally when we talk about it you're normally moaning about Villa so normally ranting so uh, <laughs> I didn't know you could be so eloquent about Villa so uh, I'd definitely have you back on now mate you've uh, you've passed Cheers, the test mate uh thanks <laughs> thanks for your time mate thanks for thanks for coming on our next guest is going to carry on talking about the improvements that that we need to make uh, more generally as a team and the way that we play rather than the individual positions going to look back at the season some of the performances that haven't been uh, that great some of our losses and and you know what we need to do as a team to improve and continue our journey and progress as a team and, and you know move even further up high up the table we've got sam cleary from vbb football sam welcome back to the the pod how are you doing mate
6: hi omar very well thanks thanks for having me on
0: Great, mate! Great, great to uh, great to have you on. As always, uh, yeah, it'd be really interesting to hear your thoughts about the team as a whole. And you know, we've 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 been waxing lyrical about the team and the season so far. But there's obviously areas that we need to improve on. We've had some of our looking back at some of our losses. We've had obviously had the, the Leeds loss, which was probably our only game this season apart from last night. You can maybe argue where we were outplayed, um, you know, by 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 another team, uh, and we weren't really in the game for large parts of the game. Um, apart from that, we've we've had losses against Southampton, West Ham, Brighton, Burnley. But all of those games, we've uh, you know we've competed and, and really should have got more out of. And then we've had the, the losses against the bigger teams again, where we've competed and, and maybe should have got, at least got a draw out of. I mean, looking at those games, looking at the season so far, what have been some of the learning points for you, and, and where do you think that we need to improve as a team, either in the way that we play or or the way that we approach games?
6: I think the first thing to say really is that uh, you know, it's absolutely imperative that we do improve because uh, there's a lot of filler fans out there that seem to think that you know if you, if you, you criticise any of the lads, you're, you're just a malcontent you know, because really you've, you should be thankful with how well we're playing compared to last year. And I might have a bit of sympathy with that view, but I, I, don't th- I think the big problem is that Jack Grealish hasn't got any sympathy with that view. Jack Grealish is looking at the side around him. And if we don't improve to a certain level, if we don't probably qualify for Europe, well, you know, he's going to go and then we're going to take about three steps back. So I think that, you know, if we don't make some serious improvements, um, then, you know, I think we are going to go backwards in the summer because I don't see Jack hanging around if, if he's not playing European football. I, I just don't see it. So it's really vital that that, that we do improve. Um, so how do you improve? Well, it's a case of tactics, isn't it? It's a case of coaching and it's a case of personnel. Um I think with tactics, you know, at times I think we have been a bit naive and I think that, you know, last night was a good example. I think they, they were playing for our, our front three were pressing and then they were finding the holes behind uh, Bertie on the right and Jack on the left. And then that we were being a bit exposed, uh, you know, in the fullback position. And that can happen with the way we, we set up, I think. And I'm normally quite relaxed about that because you expect us to, uh, you know, to sort of, have enough attacking threat that you, that you can live with it. And then you're going to spend a bit more time attacking than defending. But last night it wasn't working. They, they were playing through very easily. Um, and I felt that, you know, certainly after about an hour or so, bringing on Marvellous to just try and stem the tide would, would have seemed to me to be a prudent thing to do. Um, I think we all know that Smith wants to attack. He wants to, he, he wants to get the second goal. And I just wonder whether at times that's a bit that's a bit naive and we need to box a bit cleverer that that would be my view on that um, I think you know with coaching target concert louise you know the, the the strides they've made have been absolutely unbelievable and I think you have to attribute some of that to the coaching that they've been getting and i what I think is good about that is if we look at the signings, if we look at Triore, okay, he's come into, he's improved quite a lot since we first signed him. But I wonder if there's still more, if you look at the progress Target has made over 12 months. Um, with, with Samson, you know, he's come in. But I don't think we're going to be seeing the best of him. So if he starts and he looks like he can do a job and he fits in, you know, we're probably going to see the best of him come August, come, come next season. So I, I think that, you know, Jack will probably look around and think we've got good players here. I know that people tend to regress and look better in the second season. So maybe we can convince him that there's a project there, people are getting better, and we're going to be somewhere better next season still compared to where we are today. I really do hope so. I know, I know you didn't really want me to talk about individuals, Omar, but if I can just say one thing on individuals, all right? You know, I think we've upgraded goalkeeper, fullback, centre forward, right wing. We've upgraded centre mid with Barkley. There comes a point when you've upgraded your team, that if you want to go further, you have to start looking at players that maybe you would have felt were, you know, kind of impervious to any criticism, should be beyond critique. And, and I think that that's where we're at with Tyrone Mings. He's a great guy. Okay. He's clearly a top man and he's a leader. I get all that. All right. But if you're looking at the our best 11 and you're looking at a single player that you think we could upgrade that player and perhaps we should upgrade that player. Where we want to get to, I don't. I don't think there's any room for sentiment, and I think that he he's, he dropped a ricket. He dropped one last night. He got away with it, uh, but easily it could have uh, resulted in, in in them getting a goal. So for me, I think that that if we really want to progress and we really want to improve, I think that we need to spend 40, 50 million on a centre half or thirty million maybe. For the
3: for the record, I completely disagree with what Sam just said.
0: <laughs> I think a lot of people do, to be honest. Um, but and I, I get I get what he's saying. A lot of people share that view. Um, that's not, and this isn't about shutting down people's views, this is about getting everyone's views on on air and, and discussing it really. That's the whole point of the podcast. And you know, yeah, Mings definitely has made mistakes and does make mistakes, and, and it's something you you don't want him to be doing, obviously, as, as Villa fans. Uh, you know, the attributes that he's got as a defender, he should really be one of the top defenders in the Premier League. And I do think sometimes he can be a bit lackadaisical and um, can be a bit casual with the ball. At the same time, what he brings to the team is hard to measure. And, you know, I think Dean Smith knows the importance of him in the team and what he brings to the team in terms of his leadership qualities, organising the def- defence. Um, and, you know, you saw, I think you saw the best of him yesterday in that kind of performance where his back's against the walls. You know, he's a fantastic defender when it's when it's that kind of game. Um, and, and at the same time, you know, when he, when he brings the ball out, he is so important to start our attacks because he's uh, p- passing the ball. He's He's fantastic at passing the ball through the line. Uh, to Grealish or Barkley or to Watkins, uh, and it starts a lot of attacks. But at the same time, there's there's plenty of occasions where he does dilly dilly dally on the ball um, and and makes the wrong decision. So you know, I, I get I get that we will need to improve. We'll need to improve our first eleven and to move on to the next level. Yaro, just just before you you go, um, you know, Sam's made some interesting points there about the team and where we need to improve. Center back is an area that we don't have much cover for. Um, Engels is there on the bench, but I'm not really sure if he's part of the squad or in, in Smith's plans. Is that is that a concern for you, that area looking forward? Um Houses are out injured at the moment, but he's he's come in and played okay and played fairly well when he's come in. Is that an area that you'd be looking at in the summer as as a big big key area to to improve?
2: Uh perhaps not key area, but an area that there is scope for improvement and, you know, I don't disagree with Sam's fundamental point, we Mings, I would say uh, our ability to sign someone who is better than uh, Mings or equally as good as Mings is probably dependent on where we finish this season. If if we're in the European places, then I think that potentially makes signing someone of Mings' quality or better, more of a possibility if we have an amazing end of the season and we're top four well then it's open season um and yeah we could attract we could certainly attract someone then i think who would improve on mings um uh yeah so it, it, it yeah it depends a little bit on, on on how we conclude this season um yeah i mean it's, it's interesting we haven't actually had any uh, have mings and concert played every minute of the season they have haven't they uh i think so yeah no?
0: Yeah. No, no. No, no, I mean Ming's has Ming's was out obviously was he was uh suspended uh, after the Palace game so House and And then and then and then House and Ming's played together before Konza came back into the side. So. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But, but but most most of the season they've been they've been the main partnership.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and we certainly haven't uh been tested in the sense of one of those being out for a significant amount of time. Um I mean I quite like Hawes and I think he's he's good backup. Um I'd be a little fearful if if Engels did have to have to play now um having not seen him for so long I think was that Spurs game the last time he played where where, you know he had a bit he had a bit of a mare um and you know I quite like Engels but he certainly doesn't have the pace um that our other defenders have um so yeah if it if uh, I didn't realize Hawes was injured now You, you you mentioned just there that he's that he's got a knock has he uh Mm, yeah apparently yeah um in which case yeah if if one of those two was to suffer an injury now then engels engels would be in and maybe maybe then i'd be going oh actually it is a bigger priority area having now seen having now engels for for a couple of games um but but yeah as as i as i say i think i think it's um the the areas of potential improvement are are quite dependent on 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 how the end of the season goes yeah
0: no i i agree um and there's obviously plenty of the season left, so we'll see what happens. But Yara, thanks for thanks for coming on again, as always, mate. Been a pleasure.
2: Always a pleasure, Omar.
0: Definitely have you on uh, again soon. Uh, we'll move on to our to our next guest. So we're going to change tact a little bit. Um, Sam, we'll come back to you in a second. Uh, we're going to we're going to talk about VAR and the the dreaded three letters uh, or VAR, whichever way you want to call it. I, I don't know which is the correct way anymore, to be honest. Um, something that's uh, on the on the uh, minds of every single football fan across the country. Um something that didn't well didn't really come into play yesterday because let's be honest, you know the referees on the field and the linesmen on the field gave the decisions as they did and VAR didn't change it. So that's a point I wanted to make on that in terms of yesterday, but let's look at overall in the season and the rule changes that we've had. We've got Josh uh, on the show making his debut or JD.
7: How how are you doing? yeah i'm good um i thought i'd pick the the topic that obviously it probably has divided not only just the fans but what's frustrated me most about var and the way that it's been implemented into the game is it was supposed to be brought in to sort of remove this after game debate over whether or not decisions have been made correctly or whether or not um We spoke about it earlier, whether or not a human error had been a reason for a decision going one way or another. Uh, The entire point of VAR was to remove that aspect of the game and to almost, not not suggesting it would have made it completely fair for everybody, Um, but we've seen so many decisions over the years where a human error, which nobody really understood how it could have been made because we all get to view these different camera angles and uh, the studio would analyze things for 20 minutes after a game. That's now happening in real time in front of us and and the referee can go and have a look at it. It just hasn't worked in in the way that I guess we probably were all promised it would. Um, We kind of had a hint about what it might entail in the World Cup um, 2018 when sort of the the first mass use of, of video technology had been brought in. And it kind of did the job at the World Cup. I think initially they were really not sure what to do with it and then as the tournament went on, I think they they kind of got a grip on it. It was used for things like penalties. Um, It was used for offsides where I think even the rule has changed three or four times since then. Um, And it's just been this thing that's now created a debate after games for every fan of every team about whether or not, one, VAR is being used properly Nobody quite knows how it's meant to be being used, or it's being used in one game differently to another game, which literally finished half an hour ago. Um, you've got instances where referees in the studio or previous referees in, in the studio are being asked, why did the why Stockley Park looked at it this way? And this this whole debate that we're all having every game after VAR shouldn't be happening. That was the whole point of the VAR coming in. It was to remove this. Um, And in terms of our own, uh, the impact that it's had on Villa, in terms of whether it's helped us or not, or or knocked things against us, we are supposedly, I had a look at, on the ESPN site, you can have a look at how it's affected different teams, in which ways, apparently we are level now. Uh, So we have sort of, um, we've had three goals disallowed, but also it's it's helped us uh, in various ways. I think our feeling towards VAR is, massively, we feel sort of as a fan base, personally affected by it sometimes more because we had a three-game period where we we had the Ollie Watkins goal disallowed against West Ham in the the last minute for offside. Uh, The previous game, we had the the penalty against Brighton that was given, was then taken away in in almost the last minute again. Um, And we had the West Brom goal that was, was taken off by VAR. So I don't personally think we're being more affected by VAR than than other teams. It's going to be this silly thing where it's going to even itself out over the year. But the whole point of it was to remove this idea that bad refereeing decisions even themselves out. The whole point of it was to mean that we didn't need to get given a decision later down in the line in the season to even out a bad one that we had earlier in the season. Um, and obviously, it's this ridiculous endless thing that people bring up whether or not they're fans of other teams or people on the radio or whatever or that are only stayed up because of var it was that var wasn't the reason var wasn't even on so it's not like var failed and therefore benefited us it wasn't even switched on in the sheffield united game uh, but also the goal that they weren't given was in something like the 45th minute and i'm pretty sure everybody knows that there's a second half of football every week that you play so That in itself is annoying because it's just constantly getting brought up by people for uh, quite lazy reasons. But also, its I I wonder how long that argument, if we got into Europe, for example, which would be phenomenal this season, is the, well, they shouldn't even be in the league, let alone Europe, going to get brought out. Um, If it does, it does. I just think we had such an opportunity as a sport and as a fan base to benefit from something which... um, We've all been crying out for you know it's, it's over 10 years since the reason why var was sort of argued for happened was the, the frank lampard goal in the world cup um that was over 10 years ago and it's taken this long for it to come in and if we look at the way that other sports use this technology um i don't particularly watch cricket myself but i know that they've got a fantastic uh, video technology system uh, tennis rugby again football just seems like it's decided to try and do things differently because it's football and just completely messed it up. And I think we've messed it we, up. The, the authorities or whoever has decided how to implement it has messed it up so badly now. There's no way back because they, they don't change their minds quick enough to um, uh, to make something better very often. They're changing rules literally after games because of instances that have happened. So the Man City goal that was given against us Again, three days, people are arguing mm-hmm. it's offside or it's onside. That shouldn't be a discussion that should be happening. The whole point of this technology coming in was supposed to m- remove any of this uh, debate, you know. And I just feel disappointed by, by it as a fan, mm-hmm. but also it, I, th- I think it is starting to damage the the, the sport. Not overall, but it's, diff- it's hard to explain. I've got an 11-year-old son who's really getting into Villa now. It's hard for me to explain to him why... Danny Ings was ruled offside yesterday because for two or three years prior to now, I've been explaining, oh, because he's offside because you can see that he's in front. My wife doesn't even watch football. And she looked at that yesterday and said, that doesn't make any sense. So if people that don't even watch football now can't make sense of what the rules are, I think we're kind of in a bit of a, a hole that's been dug. And I just, I can't see that anyone's going to dig it and fill it in and get us back to Anybody knowing what the rules are? That's all we want to do is know what we're likely to expect. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: No, I think it's, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Once you go down the route of of bringing VAR in, it's hard to turn back, isn't it? You sort of uh, let it out of the box. Now it's hard to put it back in. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned about Sheffield United game last season and Hawkeye not being switched on. Uh, well, apparently, so you know, it wasn't because Hawkeye wasn't switched on. It was because what, I think it was one one out of three thousand or five hundred chance or something like that, something stupid like that, where. There were too many bodies in the way of all the different camera angles that they couldn't see the goal line. Uh, the technology wasn't working, so they couldn't, send, couldn't see whether it was over the line or not. So it was one of those that went for us. And as you, you know, he's rightly said, sort of the opposition fans forget, forget. You know, there's a whole second half of football to go, and, and it, you don't know what's going to happen. This season, we've seen the VAR, we've seen the rule changes, and I think as football fans you know, it's just ruined the game really. And we saw it last season in, in, in actually in the stadium. And I'm thinking of the Burnie game as, as one example where you score a goal, you're cheering and you don't know whether it's, whether, whether it's goal. And that, that impacts your, any of the goal that happens after that. I remember when McGinn scored um, and he gave the sort of VAR sign as a celebration. Even then, you know, there's nothing there to say is offside, uh, mm. but you're still, you're still worried. You don't want to celebrate. Uh, I remember Jack Grish scoring against Brighton. I wasn't, I didn't even celebrate because I thought maybe he was offside, you know, and it just ruins that side of, uh, of football. Uh, um, I think
7: this, this is the thing that again, um, the, the people who are in charge of running this system have kind of, they've lost the faith that people were going to get, I think everybody was willing to give this a chance and willing for it to be wrong at the beginning and then work out how to, to put it in place. So it worked and, I argued with people that uh, I worked with um, that it was gonna, it will come good. You know, don't don't judge it on its first few mistakes. Um, and I just don't understand what they think. H- how is it benefiting anybody? In obviously, at the moment, we can't go to games. But when when there are full stadiums again. Um, You've got; a, they need to bring in something where, similar to rugby, potentially, where you can see or understand the, the conversations that are happening in Stockley Park about whatever they're looking at, and how that then corresponds to a decision that's made. Because sooner down the line, sooner or later, hopefully sooner, but obviously we we need to be sensible and safe. There is going to be stadiums full of people, and a last minute decision, which is potentially going to mean somebody gets relegated, somebody doesn't, somebody gets into Europe being chalked off and 50,000 people in a stadium not understanding why and having to look on Twitter or, or whatever to, to kind of work out why the decision's been made. And I'm not personally one for saying that referees need to be interviewed after games and stuff. I, I think there's a part of me that wants them to still ha- not be not have the anonymity, but I don't think we need to bring referees into things like that. but. It's just not being used in the way that I think perhaps we'd all expected it to. Um, But also, when the pundits after a game can't understand why a decision's been made, that in itself just rules the whole point of VAR out. And I think you you can have a situation, potentially, it's going to be dangerous when you've got thousands and thousands of people that have just cheered for a a winner in the last minute, potentially, and it's chalked off and nobody's given a reason why. You know, I remember going to games... With my dad and it got ruled offside and nobody really thought it it couldn't have been offside but you just kind of accepted the decision as being oh it's another bad referee decision was another bad uh, decision by the linesman it it happens every now and then the whole point of this was to not have that debate and i don't really know how they're going to put in place something that that matches up to what we all expected really um I certainly don't think we've been, per- like as a club, we haven't been personally affected by it more than anybody. And it probably will even itself out over the season for everybody, which... which
0: but that's not the point. That's not the point, though, is it? That, that wasn't what no, it was intended it, for, was it, it?
7: I mean, it, it, it's, it's just... The whole... Uh, completely, the whole point was that people didn't need things to even themselves out. And it's just, it's just a silly, silly um, problem that they've caused themselves that they really didn't need to have. We had a real opportunity to have something that helped... The game and it's just caused a massive problem that a, 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 nobody wants it anymore and that's it's a shame because it could have been a really good thing
0: yeah I, I, and I'll, I'll come back to you in a second so i'll be interested to hear your thoughts from yesterday's decisions and obviously southampton feel aggrieved by, by what happened yesterday and and by the letter of law you know Referee's got the decision right, but I'd be interested to hear from a fan's perspective that was the other she was in the foot. What would you feel as a Villa fan? But um, I just just want to close off with with Sam and also Carl as well. Who's been hanging on all all episode. I didn't realize I didn't say bye to you, mate. Um, I just wanted to get you both your thoughts on, um, uh, on on yesterday's game and those those sort of key decisions as well. Um, just just before I let I let I let you go, Carl. If I can go to you first, mate. Um, looking at yesterday's game. In terms of in terms of what happened, you as a Villa fan, what we've been through this season, do you do you feel sorry for Southampton, or do you think, well, oh, I don't really care, we deserve a bit of luck? I mean, where, where do you sit sit in terms of in that viewpoint?
3: Well, I, I, firstly, I don't feel sorry for them in the slightest. Um, we've uh, yeah we we've had we've had so many decisions, um, actual VAR decisions, go against us. I'm, I'm going to make this point. I made a, I made the point on Twitter. It had zero likes, and I was quite furious about it. But um, the two decisions yesterday had nothing to do with VAR, nothing to do with VAR at all. They were two refereeing decisions that, if VAR VAR didn't exist, would have still been marginal decisions that, by the letter of the law, were correct. VAR checked the offside, and it was a sleeve off. That that means if. If you disagree that the sleeve should be uh, it, the sleeve shouldn't mean you're offside, then it was a linesman error. It wasn't a VAR error. They checked it and went, yeah, he was he was right technically by the law. The same with the handball; it, it slightly touched his thigh, and um, so apparently by letter of the law, that's not a penalty. So no, I don't feel sorry for them. Um, you know, if I, I I'd be. I'd be angry about it if I was a um, if it had happened to us. Fine, but no one's no one's felt sorry for for us um, all season. Stuff balances out, and it shouldn't be a case of that. It should we should be getting correct decisions. And um, funnily enough, by letter of the law, both decis- decisions yesterday were correct. So no no sympathy at all.
0: I'm really glad I'm really glad you made that yeah. point Carl and and I completely 100% agree. Yeah with and you. I
3: think and I, all I would say is uh, you know I'm not here for the likes but um I did make that point on Twitter yesterday but just just go back and like it then.
0: <laughs> yeah cheers mate yeah uh yeah I think I might block you on Twitter so I'll I'll have to unblock you but no, I haven't really. I'm joking. I will. I will like it, mate. I'll get you some cloud. Don't worry. Don't worry. We've we've managed to get over a thousand followers now on, on the Villa Talks podcast. So uh, we're 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 pretty we're pretty big time these days. Um, but yeah, uh, Sam, we, we talked about improvements um, before. I say bye to both of you. Um, we talked about improvements on the pitch in terms of Villa. What kind of improvements would you like to see in VAR and the, and the refereeing rulings and the system that we've got in place at the moment?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, it's not panning out the way that it, it we all hoped. And I think the fact that VAR poor decisions are evening out over the season is not exactly a, a gain compared to poor refereeing. Um, but what I will say is that if I was uh, a Southampton fan yesterday, I think I'd, I'd be miffed that the, the ref didn't give the pen more than anything. Yeah. So if letter of the law, VAR look at it and say, oh, hang on, that's it. his leg and the rule is, then... You know, I can see that, but what what I c- couldn't understand is, a there are angles on the VAR where it didn't even look like it touched his leg, right? So I think it. Who knows what angle the ref saw, but it must have at least been possible that the ref saw the ref had have seen it from an angle where it doesn't look like it touches his leg. In that scenario, he gives the pen. So I think it's a really it's a really tough one to take from a Southampton point of view. But of course, we've you know we've had our fair share of. Um, Bad decisions, and we probably deserved a bit of luck. But no, I, I, you know, I think I, personally, I'd like to see the back of it. Also, if the if the linesman had a flag yesterday, VAR would have uh, would have uh, rightly uh, given the goal, which you know would have been great after all of Watkins's uh, you know fingernails off this season. So I, you know, I'm, I'm quite uh, I can be I can afford to be philosophical about it because we we're on the right end of it this weekend, I suppose. But you know, uh, I would like to see VAR go.
0: Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks, uh, It's been really interesting talk to you, to uh, Sam and Carl. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure as always, um, and we'll definitely have, like I said, back you uh, have you back on um, at some point. Um, there'll be plenty more to talk about in the rest of the season. Um, Josh, just before you go, mate, um, let, let's look at let's look at the 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 big key decisions yesterday and and the game in general. Um, we haven't had your view on on the game in general yet. Um, what did you make of the performance yesterday? Um, and do you think Villa, given how we performed this season, deserved a bit of luck?
7: Game in general, I think, was really difficult to watch because we'd seen, um, obviously, performances against Man City. Um, and I felt like we'd sort of stepped it up a gear as a as a team and as a squad. and And that's where we should really be trying to, put our performances on that level I, you know, it's a difficult period we've got loads of games coming not much rotation yesterday not many subs used I can kind of understand now after the game why didn't um, I thought we looked really leggy I thought we looked a little bit sort of sort of taken aback almost by uh, the fact that we weren't able to play the game that we wanted to um, although as soon as we scored we looked like a completely different team uh, the confidence after we scored was right up and um and then it, it it's sort of almost like we needed to score to kind of get our heads in the game southampton are a really really good team i think um you know they're they're a, a good good squad danny ings is a fantastic player um the little flick that he did i think it was around louise just before matty cash handballed it fantastic you know they're a really good side and i think for us to play as averagely as we did uh, and come away with a one-nil win, regardless of any of the decisions that went get, went for us. I think that's a credit to the kind of squad mentality that Smith's put together now, because there was absolutely zero chance last season that we would have done that. Um, and if we're going to try and push towards the top six or the top four, you know, dare we even say it, we're going to have to win games like that? I think Phil said it earlier, where you don't know, really play very well. Nobody can really remember much apart from the saves from Martinez, which. You know, I know the guys have made some really good points. Martinez is... is, I think Martinez is the single biggest reason why we are where we are at the moment because you guys spoke about the defence earlier. They have absolute no problem with what's behind them now. Whereas last year, we had Rayner running halfway up the pitch to try and catch a ball at Leicester. We had Nyland throwing the ball nearly in his own net. Um, We had Jed Steer, I think, playing in goal for a... You know, there was no consistency and confidence with a goalkeeper. That's not criticism against any of the keepers. I think they're all good blokes, but Martinez has just really solidified something behind them. And I think that's one of the reasons why Target is so confident now and why Concer is so uh, confident in himself. And I think the decisions, personally, it's a handball. It doesn't matter if it's hit his leg or not. If it, I know the rules are the rules, but if it hits his hand in that manner... That really is stopping the flow of the, of the game of the opportunity that Southampton had, and I think if it was against us, we'd all be screaming, "That's a handball! We should be getting a penalty." Um, but if the referees decided that it's hit his leg first, the rules are rule, uh, and the and the offside. I just don't understand this offside rule, uh, because you're going to get a situation soon where I think Jamie Carragher mentioned it where players are going to start rolling their sleeves up to the, the top of the shoulder or they're going to start wearing vests like uh, Cameroon did. Um, or, and I don't know what the reason is, nobody wears long-sleeve shirts anymore. They've all got the Under, under Armour shirts. If anybody starts wearing a long-sleeve shirt now, I don't really know how they're going to implement this rule because you, you're going to be trying to guess where the bloke's short sleeve would finish. And then it's just you're you, you playing a completely ridiculous game there. Yeah, um,
0: that's, a good, that's a good point, actually. I haven't thought about that um, in terms of wearing long I, sleeves. I um, love
7: long sleeves. Any any football shirt that I've ever bought has always been long sleeve and nobody does them anymore. It's really frustrating. But if if a team came out in 11 long sleeve shirts now, I generally don't know what they would be able to do. And I genuinely think there might be a question of the the referees association or whatever it is, could potentially say you're not allowed to wear a long sleeve anymore because the offside rule is based on where your short sleeve finishes.
0: Such a weird... such a, I can't believe we've been talking about this. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, why what are we so, talking about a
7: sleeve length? It's just crazy. Especially when you've got... Danny Ings, quite a muscly bloke. I imagine his shorts, you know, he's got a tight shirt on. His sleeve probably rolls up further than Jamie Vardy, for example, who's a short bloke. Is his, his short sleeve is going to go further down his, his arm, perhaps. So... Adama Triore's sleeves don't really start because his muscles are so big, his, his, his shirt is bulging. So you've got, but again, this is why VAR, and it's not a VAR issue, This it's the offside rule doesn't. Yeah. But work I, th- I, th- I with, think
0: but I think that's a good point, though, because it's not, I don't think it's all a VAR issue. I think there's a lot of it to do with uh, this, the way that legislation has changed, the rules have changed. Obviously, some of that's to do with VAR because they've had to do it, but a lot of it is just the general attitude towards football, I think, with by people who don't understand football. But, uh, yeah, and yeah I think it, 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 it is what it is. And, you know, we are... We'll see, we'll see what happens, I guess. See what happens, yes. Yeah. But can, Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to have you on the show. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you. For, for your debut. We'll definitely have you back on. Um, Super, but it's been, been excellent talking to you. Um, and we're going to change going to change tact now and finish the show off with our remaining two guests who are going to be talking about uh, Jack Grealish. Obviously, we haven't talked about him. We've done a, a, a season review a uh, mid-season review we haven't talked really that much about Jack Rilish. I'm uh, going to talk about Jack Grealish and then we're going to talk about as well the best performances of the season in both individually and as a team and, and look forward to what we can potentially achieve in the remaining half of, of the season that's left. Uh, we've got firstly Joe Spencer joining us for his, for his debut. Joe, how are you doing, mate? Good to have you on. I'm good, mate. How are you? Excellent, mate. Excellent. Uh, really, really good to have you on. Looking forward to uh, talking to you about... Yeah, thank uh, you for... Uh... Thanks for having yeah, me. Great here. great to have you on talk about Jack Relish in particular and uh, his his impressive performances this season. And talking of impressive performances, we've got AJ back after his last impressive performance on the podcast. AJ, how you doing mate? I'm all right mate. Thank you for uh, having me back. That's all right mate. Sorry I've uh, I've kept you waiting. I've been having a few connection issues, uh, technical issues, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Um but you're going to be talking about some of the more impressive performances both individually and as a team and obviously Jack Grealish will probably fit into into some of those as well um joe oh,
8: don't don't don't
0: preempt my decision on the oh, most right, impressive all right performances okay, I won't, I won't, all right maybe right. he won't yeah maybe he won't no, maybe he maybe it will be uh, courtney house versus crystal palace we'll see we'll see yeah um joe quickly just on you just just go for him, mate eh? talk about jack grealish and what he means to you and and how impressed you've been with him this season and also uh, it's a point Chadzi made on, on our podcast a, a few weeks ago, why he actually is the most improved Aston Villa player this season.
9: I'm I'm just running out of words to describe him at this point, you know. like every, every time he's on the ball, you can safely say there should be a goal coming from this. It's like against Romeo last night, he turned from standing in the corner to a chance for Traore. And if he lays it off, that could be another goal for us. And it, he just does it so often. He can beat any player in this league with these. I can comfortably say that. I'm not saying it's to be biased either. He is probably the best player in the league at the minute. And he has been this season, definitely. Yeah. And um, for who's scored, I think it is, he's got the highest rating in Europe for this season. Players like Messi, Ronaldo, De Bruyne, all of these playing in the top five leagues, for him to be the best and a local lad from Solihull. it just... It it makes me proud to be a villa fan. Like before now, our, our best local lad was well, from my, you know, lifetime, it's been Gabby Abognahore. And I'm he's he's not as good as Grealish, is he really? You know?
0: You know, it's hard to argue against that. Um, obviously you're you're younger than 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 most of us on here, so you've seen a different kind of Aston yeah. Villa team over the years. We've seen some of like some McGraw, Merson, Ashley Young, um you know, those types of players who've, who've been up there and, and thereabouts. Jack Grealish definitely is up there and possibly has the potential to be far and ahead, uh, you know, may, maybe the level of Bob maybe even better than that. Um, AJ, um, you know, we talk about Jack Grealish, wax lyrical about him. Let's talk about some of his key performances this season. What, I mean, if you look back over the season... What, what what performances would you would you say stand out for him this season where you said yeah you know he's arrived he's he's definitely one of the best players in the premier league and, and he's made his mark this season
8: well you could almost pick any game couldn't you he's been that good this season right right from the goal he scored against fulham which is you know uh, a brilliant ball in for mcginn uh, and just the way he, he brought it down and finished it you know was a, was a great goal but obviously The standout performance for us as as a team, and I think probably for Jack as well, is the Liverpool game. uh, To Uh, What was so remarkable about that game, which is easy to forget now because we've been consistently good for the rest of the season, was, all right, we'd we'd won our first couple of games, but we kind of huffed and puffed to turn over Sheffield United uh, when they were down to 10 uh, and very resolute. Uh, And, yeah, we'd we'd taken Fulham apart, but uh, they're much improved. But at that point, they looked like they were going to lose every game convincingly. And then Liverpool rock up. And obviously the... uh, the discussion now is all about Liverpool's troubles at the back and all their injuries and 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 what have you. But you know, keep in mind they still had Van Dijk in that game, and we've we've ruined them seven seven two. Like uh, it's unbelievable, really. And Jack in that game had five five goal contributions, which is ridiculous. There are there are midfielders that people still continue to compare Jack who struggled to have five goal contributions all season and he did it in one game against the champions, you know. Um, so th- that's the standout game. But almost every game he's he's doing stuff and, you know, big chances created. Uh, he leads the league ahead of people like De Bruyne. And again, when you look at the quality he's surrounded with as, as well as how good a player he is himself, he's obviously got an advantage when you look at, you know, it's easier to create chances in that city side than it is for Villa, as as improved as we are, we're still nowhere near that level. So, almost every game he's uh, he's creating stuff, uh, you know. And we'll we'll say sometimes when we're chatting about after the game, oh, it's been a quiet game for Jack today. But then you'll still look back and he's created two or three chances for us, or he's picked up an assist. And you'd like that. That's not been a great game for him. He's just um, he's unreal, isn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard hard to argue against that. I mean. If, if we're looking at the rest of the season now, Joe, um, AJ's talked there about the Liverpool game and the goal contributions. Obviously, that's been a massive factor of why he's improved. He's, he's been able to get involved in that final third a lot more and keep high up the, up the pitch and, and basically use the best of his attributes to help the team out. Really, what? What? what I mean, he's he's got how many goals with ten assists and, and six goals a season, I think. Um, six goals, nine. Nine assists, assists yeah. sorry. Yeah, and six goals, nine assists, yeah. and and talking about goal contributions. I mean, looking back the history of the Premier League really and, and other Aston Villa players. Gaz Oaks, uh, a big-time listener of a of, of Villa uh, Talks podcast. We were talk- I was talking to him yesterday. He was talking about the likes of Dwight York. I think he got 25, 26 goal con- uh, contributions, goals and assists in the Premier League uh, for when, during his peak years at Villa. Ashley Young, another player in 2007 and eight. I think he got something like uh, 14 assists and eight goals or nine goals uh, in, in one of his peak years. How... You know, What do you expect of Jack now, given what he's done in the first half of the season? Do you expect the same level of performance or do you think it's going to be more difficult for him with uh, with you know players more aware of his abilities in the final third?
9: As, as aware as they want to be, it, you still can't contain Jack Grealish. You can put five men on him and he can, he'll he beat all five and make a chance out of it. There's, there's photos of him I've seen on Twitter where there's like four players all within close proximity of him and he's beat them all, hmm. made a chance and we've nearly scored from it. And I'll easily see him reaching, you know, 15, 20 assists this season. Obviously, the Liverpool game did contribute a lot to what he's got now. There's no reason he couldn't do that again against another team. Mm. Like, the only notable missing players Liverpool had that game were Alisson and Mane. Obviously, Mane is a left wing, so he doesn't contribute to this. But, you know, he's he's getting past players like Van Dijk, who's considered to be the best in the world with absolute ease. And he's he's just breathtaking to watch. It's like, I, I've never seen a player that good on the ball for Villa ever. Like, obviously I'm only 18 now, so I've got less knowledge of the players that you do, but I've never seen a player this good for Aston Villa ever.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, it's hard to... Even, you know, I've I've been watching Villa since probably the 93-94 season. It's probably my first season. And, you know, we've had some great players during... Over those years, and he's definitely up there, if not better than most of them, uh, and probably will surpass all of them. um, The way that he's going, hopefully, it's at Villa, and he stays at Villa. Um, AJ, a lot of fans have mentioned that one of the reasons why Jack is playing so well this year is that the onus isn't on him for the entire game anymore. You know, we've got other players in the team who are able to contribute to to our attacking play, um, and, and you know, it's not just all going through Jack. How? important do you think that point is and do you think it's relevant and also which are the other players in the team have you been impressed with and and what notable performances have you seen this season from from those players
8: well there's um i mean the guys have already talked a lot about the improvement that we've seen in the performances across the entire team pretty much and there's there's two things isn't there there's um there's the players we've brought in who've improved us so the likes of Traore um, and uh, Barkley uh, being the obvious ones, uh, Cash I guess as well, and then there's the players who uh, have improved and, and Sam touched on, uh, you know the the coaching that you've got to give the uh, Dean Smith and his team credit for for on that. So you know concert who let's not forget, played a fair few games uh, at fullback last season and and then moved inside and that was uh, part of our transformation post-lockdown, I think. Um, Target, obviously vastly improved and then the guys, you know, have talked about El Ghazi, et cetera, um, as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, there was an article in the Guardian this week uh, about most improved players and Jack was really high in that list and it was based on who scored uh, ratings with Joe. Joe mentioned how well Jack's doing on those those ratings. Before I realised it was based on who scored ratings, I was actually a bit annoyed that he was in there as a most improved player when, for me, people like Target and all of that, those sorts of guys, um, in terms of their individual performance, have seen bigger improvements. And yeah, Jack has gone on to another level and is uh, putting in much bigger numbers than he did last season. But I think, you know, last season, I think he, he's, uh, he was still absolutely outrageously good. And it was just the rest of the side around him. You know, he was having to carry us on his shoulders. You know, with the best room in the world, if you're creating a chance for Samata, that's less likely to result in an assist than if you're mm. creating one for Barkley or Watkins. Um, so... Uh, yeah, there's so many players that um, uh, have improved the sides, but I think the team overall has has improved in terms of the way we play, the shape, the system. Everyone's much more confident. In terms of individual performances, an- another one that I was going to mention was going to be target against Man City because I, I think that was uh, demonstrative of his overall improvement as a player this season where, you know, again, last night he was excellent, you know, very rarely got beat. Timing tackles perfectly all of the time and uh, really good judgment of when to go for the tackle and when to stand off and all of that. But against Man City, he was exceptional at that against mm. one of the best wingers in the world in Raheem Sterling. Sterling barely got a kick against him in that whole uh, in that whole game. Uh, Target, you know, again was coming up with, with blocks and things in the in the box as well as his, his sort of day to day job at, at fullback as well. Um, and so I think you've really you've got to call Target out as an individual performer, and specifically I think that Man City um, performance really demonstrated how much he's stepped up playing that well against one of the best wiggers in the world and the best team in the league. When at the start of the season, a lot of us were questioning whether we should go into the season with him as our first choice left back. Um, yeah. yeah um, unbelievable stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I really hard to uh, argue against all of that. And I think that that target Man City performance is is definitely one of the more underrated performances, something that's not really talked about because I completely agree with you. He was amazing that, that, Uh, that night and really I think that was the the performance that put him on the map for a lot of neutrals as well and I think you've seen since then he's been talked a lot more around the England squad and and what he could potentially do Joe just before you you go um, let's go back to Jack Grealish again I'm going to ask you the dreaded question um, that we've all got in the back of our mind do you think he stays next season
9: 100% as long as we keep going as we are going, he's staying he signed a five year contract in the summer, which means, you know, he believes we can reach Europe, I'd say. I, I don't know why we can't do it this season. I reckon we've got it in us. It would have been nice to see more cover come in for, you know, like right back as it was mentioned earlier. Because as as good as Almo was in the championship, he's he's not going to do it in the Prem for us and teams are going to exploit that because this is the best league in the world. So, it, we, we do need depth, but he's he's, he's got to stay. I I don't see a team that can love him, appreciate him, you know, bring his potential out a lot where you can, ever.
0: Yeah, well, I hope you're right. Um, I like your confidence. And, and I do think, you know, there was a big signal of intent from the owners as well, that contract. And in this current environment, in COVID, with a lot of teams struggling financially, it's going to be very difficult for many teams to pump the money up, uh, sorry, put the money up that, it's going to be needed to to pry away Jack really from, from Aston Villa as much as maybe he might want to go. I don't know. I don't know him personally, so I can't say. But, you know, obviously he loves the clubs, this club. So that's going to be a big factor. Joe, thank you for your, for your time, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure to if I could to have you on.
9: One last thing, if that's Yeah, all right. mate, go for it, yeah. Cheers. Um, the Newcastle game, when he got subbed off, you could see he, he didn't want to come off. He wants to play for the club every single minute that he can. Yeah, and it's Barkley as well. If he doesn't have Barkley, he's not getting his full potential. With him and Barkley together, it's like it's like bread and butter I like that. I saw it yesterday with with the cross and the header. It's they work so well together, and it's it's beautiful to watch as a Villa fan.
2: Yeah,
0: and something he didn't have last season is you know a foil for him. He didn't have players in the same wavelength as as him last season, and he's got that now with Barkley and the likes of of Watkins and even to some extent Truro as well. So you know, I think that's a really good point, really valid point, and uh, excellently made, Joe. It's been an absolute pleasure to to have you on, and uh, definitely get you definitely no, get you back definitely on. get you back on again. Yeah, man, thank you, uh, AJ. Just before we we uh, close off the show, obviously we left the best of last. Um, I'd be interested to hear the thoughts of, of you know, we talked about some of the more important performances of the season and some of the players and the improvements that made looking at the remaining 19 games, obviously a massive 19 games for us in our future as well, because, you know, it could, it could mean Jack stays if we do really well, it could mean that, you know, we go on to another level next season and able to, uh, you know, sign a higher caliber player. What are your expectations for the remainder of this season and, and what do you think is realistic?
8: I think it's really hard to say in a way because for a couple of reasons. One of the things I wanted to touch on when you asked me about the best performances was obviously there's Liverpool, but then there's another couple of games where we've blown teams away, like Arsenal away, Palace, even down to 10 men, completely took them to pieces. But I think what's really encouraging is then there's also the games where uh, you know, Leicester, straight off the back of the Liverpool result, a very different kind of way of getting a win. Uh, and you could say the same thing about Wolves uh, and to an extent the game last night as well. But then we've had the games where you'd really expect us to win both in terms of performance and uh, uh, and the quality of the opposition. You know, the Brightons and uh, West Ham's, and, uh, whilst they're doing very well, we completely outplayed them and obviously Burnley more more recently, where we haven't won. So there's there's that degree of unpredictability about us. And then there's a degree of unpredictability about the league more widely as well, where that kind of, you know, it feels like the sort of top three teams, uh, the two Manchester clubs and Liverpool are probably going to pull away to a degree. Um, But beneath that, anything from sort of fourth almost to 11th or 12th is so close together and you know you look at Spurs losing to Brighton today and and things like that you know a team gets a couple of injuries or has a couple of off days at home and away doesn't mean what it used to do with the um, uh, with the uh, lack of fans in the ground so it's really hard to predict and I genuinely think you know very unlikely that we'll finish in the Champions League, but you could you could see us going on a run and finishing fourth. Uh, equally, you could see us having a bit of bad luck with injuries or suspensions, or as you've touched on a few times on the pods, you know, fatigue. Are we using the squad properly towards the end of the season? That's going to be an issue. We have a pretty tough run in when you look at the very end of the season as as, uh, as well. Um, you know, you could end up struggling to even finish in the in the top half. So uh, my expectation is we'll be. A about where we are or maybe slightly better off. I think we'll probably finish somewhere 7th to ninth, something like that. I, I would like us to finish earlier and I think uh, higher and I think we are capable of finishing higher. Um, but unless we can cut out those results like the Burnleys, the Brightons, where um, we really need to be both more clinical in terms of our finishing and uh, not allow teams to score when they've twice when they've only had two shots on goal like West Ham did. Unless we can cut that out, then I think pushing on any further is going to be a challenge. Um what that means for Jack, uh I would like to think that Jack is not going to leave us to go and play in the Europa League. He's not going to go and play for Spurs. Like I you know, if he leaves it's going to be Champions League and I would like to think one of the genuinely top clubs like he wouldn't look out of place at Barcelona like you know uh, those are the, that's you know given the way we've performed this season if we do finish in that sort of seventh to ninth sort of range uh, and the chairman uh, and owners say to him we're going to invest again these are the sort of players we're looking at Um it, it, then I, I see us getting another year out of him even if we don't get into Europe, unless one of those genuinely big clubs comes in with a blockbuster offer that we can't turn down, and uh you know you can't say no to going to play for one of those really really top clubs. And good luck to
0: him if he gets that opportunity. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's it's a really interesting point, there, AJ. And, and I mean, I'm definitely take seventh to ninth now. Uh, I think that would be a massive improvement on. Uh, on last season obviously but also a, a good sign of where we're heading as a team and I think I think that should be enough to, to keep Jack here I think and seventh could potentially depending on what happens in the FA Cup could be enough for a Europa League spot which uh, isn't a bad next step but you know I think you're I think actually you make a really good point around those games where we should have got more out and, and it's conceivable that we should really be higher up the table you know we should be in that fourth third position maybe given the games that, that, have, ha- that have happened and where we've got, a, got a lot more out of so it'd be interesting to see what happens in the remaining 19 games. West Ham, obviously next up um, massive game. Now they lost today against Liverpool um, We're you know, they're they're thereabouts with them as well. They've been impressive this season. So, you know, Sam's just messaged and said, we'll finish fourth. I like the confidence. So uh, we'll see. (laughs) I like that. Uh, But yeah, he's very confident about that. But I think, I mean, I think it's achievable, isn't it? And it's going to be hard. Don't don't get me wrong. And uh, I think, the likes of Morgan Sanson, Joseph said first. <laughs> the likes of Morgan Sanson coming in could be a massive, could be a massive impact in terms of fatigue. We've talked about, and especially our midfield. Um, you know, our, our midfield has has had a lot to work through, and, and they do a lot of work in, in games for us. So, it's going to be important that um, he can come in and hit the ground running as well. But we look forward to the West Ham game, um, and we'll be back obviously after that game with a normal lockdown loading with a regular crew. But uh, thanks again for everyone coming on. AJ, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Another another great performance on the pod. So I'm sure we'll have you back on. Uh, um, and it's been a pleasure talking We'd to everyone to else. On, mate. Good, mate. Good. It's been a pleasure to talk to everyone else uh, on, the, uh, on the pod. the pod. been really interesting to hear their views on various different topics. An extra long edition of the podcast. So I hope you've st- stuck with us and, and listened to it in its fullest. And uh, it's been an interesting one. Um, we'll be back, obviously, with, uh, like I said, the lockdown loading off the West Ham game. And I'm going to give you the usual spiel, as I always do. But if this is the first time listening to the pod, then please do subscribe and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're on. We're on all of them. Um, And if you're on Apple, leave us a review and rating. It helps the podcast out a lot. Uh, And apart from that, really, um, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for our guests coming on to give their views. I'll be back next time, probably Thursday, I would say, uh, after the match. And uh, hopefully see you then. And apart from that, up the villa. Up the villa.
1: I love it। hmm. मैंने बहुत चंगा लग गया।